Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's exactly what we try to do here every single day. Every single day. Uh, our quote <laughs> of the day you learn a lot about people when they don't get what they want. Ooh, great quote for today. Right? You learn a lot about people when they don't get what they want. Mindfullife.com. Thank you, mindfullife.com for that quote. Welcome back, Heal Squad. We're so excited today. We're going to be chatting with producer and director Becky Reed all the way from across the pond. I have been wanting to interview her since I saw her documentary, was the fight before Christmas. I know you all have heard this if you've been listening to the show because we raved about this documentary. She's a young um, filmmaker who is incredible and you're going to be seeing more and more of her for sure. Um, it was her first feature as a director and I was like, we need to have her on the show. She's amazing. So you spot talent, you got to bring it on. I am sporting my Christmas mug just in her honor today. I love that. It says, I'm only a morning person on Christmas. <laughs> Is that a Hallmark mug? Hello, Maria. <laughs> I don't know, but what are you making fun of me for, honey? It says, hello, Maria. Kevin from Standards and Practices. How are you? Oh, oh my kid, am I in trouble? <laughs> no, I also wanted to mention that whether you are a fan <clears throat> of Christmas movies, or documentaries, or uh, whether you're like, it's February, why are we talking about Christmas? No, actually, what was moving Christmas about again? What was moving it? Well, that's that's it. By we get to July and we've got the decorations out in Lowe's, so Guys, it's only a few months away. Right around the corner, <laughs> as we say. No, but I was going to say, I think it's such a study in what I deem narcissistic personalities and mm-hmm. the. And when you get caught in their crosshairs, we have a lot of our fans that reach out and ask us constantly about how do I, I, I dealt with a narcissist. I'm dealing with a narcissist. Please help. Please give us more tools. And, you know, I don't know if we, if any tools can be provided from today, but it's nice to see when you see one in action, maybe mm-hmm. it'll help you spot one coming away or to see what they're capable of. Yeah. So I think that's why to me, today's in- interview is very significant. For sure. For sure. <clears throat> you know. Um, <clears throat> I just noticed I made you do like three. I do. <clears throat> she does. Yeah, that's always yeah, been yeah, your yeah. scam. Uh-huh. Guys, you like count it. my ahems? <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Signature. So it's a signature throat well, clearer. You're a throat clearer. Yes. You're such a, you, by the way, you're the best throat clearer. Tell her, you're do good. not dim her life. I was just great stereotyped as a throat clearer. No, you were, you not in a bad the, way. That, the goat of throat clearers, honey, the best. The <gasps> goat of throat clearers. Yes, the guys, best. I Nobody have, does it better than you. health issues and you guys are making me feel <clears throat> really, really bullied and I'm really feeling Not unsafe. safe. Not safe. How yeah. can we make this a safe space for you? Well, Love and light. I think you say, Maria, we recognize that you have various inhalers that create a uh, I like your throat problem clearing. inside your throat. And, no, because I sound like it makes me feel like an old man. Old no. men are throat clearers. No, no, no. <clears throat> My dad has to clear his throat because of his freaking cancer he had in there. And that is a whole nother story. Your throat clearing is nice and light. 
that that I is. can't believe you guys have noticed that I clear my throat. Do you think the Heel Squad notices? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Heel Squad. I don't mean it. Um, I uh, I think that this is a, a really really great doc to watch, regardless of the holidays, because you really just get to see neighbors having to deal with other neighbors, which is a very common mm-hmm. experience. Um, whether you're, you own a place or you're renting, it's neighbors are not fun. And this is definitely, I'm so glad that you guys watched it. Mm -hmm. What did you think of it? Uh, We were both horrified, (laughs) horrified. And I was scared to clear my throat. No, you're great. We were also also confused because we were like, why is Kevin making us watch this? We thought it was going to be like some nice, cute little Christmas movie. And we were like, what in the hell mm-hmm. this man is a monster and it's wild because it's like he comes across so kind and then it's like uh uh so yeah Pooch and he's and not afraid and, no. he's not afraid to no. be he does not what he is mm-hmm. classic false positivity i mean he ruined that one woman's life oh yeah and you could see it oh. she was in so much pain oh yeah it was bad and by the way, Kelsey, when they say toxic positivity and they, there's a definition for it yeah. that I don't agree to or subscribe to. That's right. I remember that. Which is just, oh, it's everyone being too positive. No, this to me is toxic positivity. Yes. This is someone who's coming out very positive, but it, there's so much darkness behind him. And uh, and again, we're taking, we're really judging this. Uh, what I like about the filmmaker we, we, we in the pre-interview we're talking about is she calls it down the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she was like, nope, but, you know, sees both sides. And um, Pooja, what did you think? I just, I felt so bad for that woman because, like, you can see it, like, in her face, mm-hmm. like, in her eyes. And she and like, Kelsey were both, yeah, she was, like, just, like, done. Like, she did not know what to do. Like, she was just, like, I, she was, like, at a loss of words. She was, like, this man ruined my life. And me and Kelsey yeah. both looked at each other and we're, like, we feel like what she's going through and it's not even happening to us. Like it's through the screen, which is why I think also this, this film is so powerful. Like you really feel those emotions and, and Becky does a great job of like pulling that out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more about it, but yeah, that it was just like heartbreaking. Cause like it obviously he's a monster and like, (laughs) <laughs> like he's terrible but i was like this like these people like he's actually ruining people's lives like yeah but to some he wasn't a monster yeah which right. to some he was the hero yeah right. which is right. also very interesting so. which is a very oh, it's kind of a good depiction of the times we're living in it's like who's right who is right it's so yeah. hard right yeah. so anyway let's jump into this becky reed is a producer and director hails from london england becky's been nominated for a bafta an emmy and a pga award in her 12-year career has worked on subject matters ranging from the news of the world phone hacking scandal to the kidnapping and the murder of american journalist jim foley Twas the fight before christmas is her first feature as a director Becky, I am so excited to talk to you today. I have been dying to talk to you since the second I saw this movie. I like slightly became your new manager and agent behind the scenes. And I have like representatives that I want you to be with. And <laughs> I was like, I want to put together a team for her. She's going to be a huge, huge star. So hi. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. Um, I was telling everybody, you don't have to watch this at Christmas time. It's really kind of not the point. That's really just the 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 starting of all of this, but it's so much more than that. And we've all had our issues with neighbors in life. Um, <laughs> so, and I, and I'm using my Christmas mug today for you. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> so um, tell me, you know, tell everybody a little bit about what drew you to the story. How did you first hear about Jeremy? Sure. I mean, I, I read about it actually in a UK national newspaper and you know, for it to have translated across the pond over here to, you know, one of the biggest, one of the newspapers with the biggest readership in the UK meant, you know, that it, I thought this will immediately resonate on an American audience, you know, and it just felt like it just ticked a huge number of boxes for a documentary filmmaker. I think it was clearly a story about differences and tolerance wrapped up into this kind of exciting Christmas bundle 
And, you know, it was a film that would enable us to have a conversation about truth and division and, you know, all of those kind of arguments we're seeing in regards to our personal liberties. Um, you know, when there was a camel, it sort of felt comedic in places, but also serious in others. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely also definitely one side of the story at that point. You know, the story that I read was Jeremy and Christie's. And there was sort of once I started researching, there was not a lot else that I could find about the neighbor's version of that, which was intriguing immediately. So just felt like there was a bit of a challenge there to find out what what happened according to some other perspectives. And as soon as I started digging, it felt really rich and kind of fascinating and current, you know, but also lighthearted in some ways and entertaining and bonkers in others, you know. Bonkers is right. Um, Especially like you start the film and we think here's this like sweet man and he loves Christmas and we're all in because we live for Christmas. And then it just takes a turn and you're like, oh, and it was shocking to kind of see the damage that was done to that neighborhood. And especially the woman who was what president of the home association or whatever it was. I mean, that Mm -hmm. woman's life was really, really ruined. And if she wasn't married to, he was some kind of minister or pastor Mm -hmm. or whatever. I think that man would have probably went and killed Jeremy. If, if, if it was (laughs) Kevin, Jeremy would not be alive right now. Let's just be real. (laughs) Um, it would not be okay. Like Kevin would just not, well, I've had a few Jeremy's in my life. And unfortunately, even though you want to do things, you can't. So Kevin probably, you wouldn't have been able to do anything to Jeremy either. No, just move away. I mean, it's when I see a personality type like that, it's, there's a, you just, you just have to be aware. They're never going to stop. You know, they'll die to be right. Yeah. And again, I don't want to, Becky was there and she taped it. So (laughs) it's like, (laughs) not about my two cents right now. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Um, but Becky, so so I love in England, do, do people get as obsessed over Christmas? Yeah, I think we do. It might not be quite as big as the US, but we have streets and homes that go big on the decorations and, you know, have all the inflatables outside and Christmas caroling. And I think I think you guys are definitely known for kind of, you know, the the more flamboyant and, uh, you know, full on versions of that but um you know I mean I also love Christmas you know I, I, something I also loved about the film that it's a really special time and it's full of Christmas spirit and you know all family and it's the time for giving and one of the things that was so kind of uh attractive about it as a project as, as you mentioned just now is that it starts off in this kind of wholesome family way and you're like oh wow this is great I, you know I feel like I know this guy and I like this guy and we all love Christmas and and it does take such a dark twist. So it's a surprise to the audience. And I love that kind of journey you go on as a as an audience member when you're watching a film that, it, it, you know, you kind of you think you're in one place and then all of a sudden you're in another completely different territory. So keeps you on your toes, you know, but mm-hmm. um, as certainly Jeremy does, too, as a, as, <laughs> as a personality. Um, but no, it just it just felt like Christmas is something that lots of people love. And it's, you know, it is universal that time, whether you're religious about Chris, Christmas or not. You know, it's also a time for, for family and reflection and, you know, just taking stock, I think. And 
um, it just feels like a special time for lots of people. And that, that goes beyond a neighborhood in Idaho, you know, which made it, it was another reason that I felt that this might have, a, um, you know, an audience beyond the U.S. Well, what so, has been that? What has been your response? What have you heard from fans and from people? You know, uh, since- it's, it's been really good, actually. I mean, maybe I haven't I've been hidden or, or, or sheltered from any bad, bad, you know, criticism. But um, I think there's been a mixed bag. I think it depends where you look. For, for the kind of audience reaction, if that makes sense. The, the critic kind of responses to it um, have been really good, um, kind of overwhelmingly positive, I was saying, people that kind of understand. Yeah, I think everyone loves a movie, so let me rephrase. I think it's a great What do they feel kid. about, like, which side were they taking? Yeah, were you getting any of that where it was, where people were taking one side or another? I think that's also been really mixed, which is, again, a reflection of the story itself. You know, it, it depends on whether you went to Jeremy's Christmas show or lived in the neighbourhood, what your experience. If you grow up against Jeremy, you can have a very different experience of him to if you are on his side and on his team. Um, so from the neighbour's point of view is that there's been a lot of... Um, it's added a lot of detail that was missing, I guess, from the initial press when Jeremy kind of reached out to the news and was sort of publicising his case and his story and that he felt victimized. So I, I hope that it's added some detail that was missing and some other perspectives. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been, you know, there's been pro Jeremy and Christie and people who understand that and people who are very against HOAs and that's all been quite interesting to, <laughs> to read and see. Right. Um, and then there's been a lot of support for the neighbors who feel that they, um, you know, sort of been bullied into um, sort of doing, doing what Jeremy wants. So Again, is he <coughs> is he still having his Christmas events? Did he have one this year? No, he hasn't had it for a couple of years. So he was he was there was a court order when when the case went through and the judge overturned the jury trial. They put in place an order that would prevent Jeremy from doing it to the extent that he's done it previously. So he's threatened in the last couple of years to put the lights up and kind of do the show. He would be in contempt of court to do that, I believe. So. That would be a risky, big move for him as somebody who, you know, is a member of the bar that I think would get him disbarred or at least get him to some hot water. So, um, but, you know, they decorate very big inside the house and sort of do a version of that. Um, it's not what Jeremy and Christie want to do. And I do think there's been some, you know, there's a lot of people who, who did enjoy the Christmas show. They don't necessarily live in the neighbourhood next door, but they have wanted to go to it and take their kids to it. So there is you know, um, there are people who felt that that is, it's a loss to the community that people didn't get to go and enjoy it and kids didn't get to go and enjoy Mm -hmm. it. So whether Jeremy will do it somewhere else uh, that might end up getting him into less, (laughs) fewer arguments, I don't know. Yeah, but that's what's so revealing about him because he could sell that house, go get, uh, you know, a house uh, with a lot of land further away. If this is really his passion, just do it and be done and be happy. But I, I think there's, I don't, that's where I question how much it's about Christmas and how much it's about winning. Kev, let me make sure everybody listening understands since they haven't necessarily maybe seen the movie. It's, it follows this guy, Jeremy and his wife, really Jeremy, who's obsessed with bringing Christmas cheer to all and causes a fight when the homeowners association informs him that the event he planned violates the rules of the neighborhood. So it's really like this guy and 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 he he goes on a whole other level. He decorates he, and he, he also rented up buses he, he, and bust people in. I mean thousands of people were coming to this little idyllic teeny little neighborhood where you couldn't move your own cars in and out of your driveways. People were everywhere. And so there's the portion of people who love Christmas, loved going to his events and were like, wait, what? You guys are pissed. And then there are the neighbors who are like, wait, our lives are completely uprooted and a mess. This is not part of what the homeowners association allows here. And it was this massive fight between the two, you know, the two worlds clashing. So the, the neighbors felt like their lives were ruined. They had this quiet, peaceful neighborhood. Everyone loved each other. Everyone got along. And then, or maybe they didn't really know each other before, but they definitely did after. (laughs) And then here's this guy, Jeremy, who's this like rebel who, who pretends to be, who, who seems like he's just this nice family man with these nice kids. And then the second you cross him, the second you look at him the wrong way, you're 
dead. He will go well, to the ends of earth to, to be some, ruin be fair, Bridget, you. If you don't subscribe to his way of doing things. Which that's, is what, what, yeah, whatever he wants. And, and remember, he's a lawyer. That's the hard thing. And, so and he continually it. says throughout the documentary, and I remind you, I am an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and meanwhile, his wife, you could see little moments where she was just like, I really wish I was just having cookies with the neighbors and baking and having this like real family life that I always wanted. And I felt like she was going to leave him by the end. I felt like she was going to be like, that's it. I'm fucking this guy. Excuse my language. Um, But Kevin has kept up and done his homework and she has not left him as of now. It looks like she doubled down and like most of us are always afraid. We're not going to find someone else. So she just stuck by him Or maybe we don't know that. That's what it feels like. Becky, what's the inside? When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Oh, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Christy. I'm also, you know, many ways I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him but um see <laughs> I think you know for her loving Jeremy is kind of embracing his his crazy ways his enthusiasm for life his his kind of 100 out of 10 way of doing everything and obviously that comes with a huge amount of stress and worry for Christy but I think you know ultimately like most kind of partners you know you defend your family and I think I think part of the so what was so interesting about the film was that you had these two different sides where, you know, Jeremy and Christy felt very hurt and angry about the way it all happened. You know, maybe the way Jeremy handled it isn't how we would all do it and certainly escalated everything. But I think there was genuine upset at the intentions, the good intentions, I think, of this Christmas show going very, very badly wrong. And, and you know, Christy, I'm sure, would have handled it differently to Jeremy, but he is a handful for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so they... Uh, parties on one side Jeremy goes on the wall path but you know the neighbors in their turn felt threatened and alienated so you know I think Christy probably knows Jeremy you know definitely knows Jeremy obviously in a much more complex and deeper way than we all do I think I got little insights into their relationship off camera that maybe you know again the neighbors haven't seen Um, but I think it's very difficult I think she wants to support him and she also saw the good that the Christmas show did and so I think it's very hard for them to considering how far things have gone Mm -hmm. I think it's very hard for them to to row back from that and you know see it from another side but Jeremy is very you know I find him very black or white there's very little gray area there and Christy I'm sure you know she's a different person and she would have managed things differently and as you said she did want to have relationships with her neighbors and I think one of the scenes in the film that I really like and I felt was really important was the, their kid's Christmas birthday, uh, their, their kid's birthday just before the appeal happened. And Jeremy is kind of obsessed with talking about what is the appeal and the case. And, you know, it's the little boy's birthday and they're trying to kind of celebrate and, you know, he can't let it go. And it's impacted their marriage so much and their relationship so much. And, you know, at the end, end of the appeal he sits at his desk and he talks about how much it's impacted his time with his wife and his time with his family that was one of the very few moments where I got felt a really genuine emotion from Jeremy in an otherwise kind of you know locked and loaded warpath kind of you know um sort of one side and, and I'm right you know so I think it's very complicated with them but um Jeremy also is you know in 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 their off-camera life and outside of this story you know he does everything to a hundred degrees and he gets dressed up in mad outfits and does crazy things and is really you know doesn't live to the beat of other people's drums and some some of that I really actually enjoyed being around and found very 
kind of motivating and different and enthusiastic and and kind of um refreshing in many ways it's just that when you tell him no it it goes off a completely different you know off kind of off the ledge so yeah <laughs> well, what you said something in there where you said i saw what she sees in him off camera that the neighbors don't what what is that I think there's just a, a sort of childlike enthusiasm in Jeremy. He loves performance. He loves the theatre. He, you know, he has this background, his family background in the kind of silent movie business, and he loves to entertain. And I think he really wants to be liked. And that kind of enthusiasm and sort of desire to please and and bring fun, he brings that to his family. You know, and so and this Christmas show is one aspect of that, of course. But there are lots of other examples. And we had an early cut of the film where we had a whole bunch of those examples. And we just had to, you know, when we really had to get tough with the decisions about, the, you know, the edit, some of that, you know, came out. But the, the, the scene at the beginning where they're looking for their Christmas tree, I felt really summed up. A, their relationship and Christy trying to manage the big ambition of Jeremy wanting this tree that's too big for their living room. <laughs> and Jeremy's kind of, well, if you love me, you'll let me do it. You know, the kind of, and sort of her like, oh God, he never listens. And all of that, you know, to me, it just, it said a lot. It ticked a lot, a lot of boxes for me in the sort of storytelling sense of understanding his character and their relationship as well. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a version of Jeremy that is, that, that Christy gets to see and enjoy that, you know, is is why she loves him and why they're together. And I think some of the fun that he brings to the kids is something quite special and unique. Um, you know, whether you want to live next door is another question. <laughs> yeah. How many times did she roll her eyes behind his back when you guys were filming? <laughs> quite a few. One funny <laughs> thing, actually, a little, a funny little story about that scene, which I'm something that I wish that I filmed. Um, so it was early days with Jeremy. He was always be like obsessed with, you know, oh, I, you know, the car's dirty. Can I wash the car before we film? Or can I finish doing the flooring? Or can I cut the trees before you film inside the house? And, you know, he was he's such a perfectionist. He wants everything to be perfect. And he's really controlling about how everything looks and worried about kind of how things look. And beyond how I was, you know, as the director of the film, I could see that what we would film. And he uh, when we went and got the tree, um, we finished filming and he drove home and he he really wanted to wash the car before we filmed the car. He didn't want the car to look dirty on camera. And I was like, we're not going to notice the car. It doesn't matter. And he just wouldn't stop going on and on and on about it. And I was like, Jeremy, we haven't got time, you know, and everything would go miles out of schedule. And I'd always be kind of, my producer would be like, you know, we're, we're late, we're late. And uh, so on the way back, he tied the tree to the top of the car. We cut, we cut the cameras and then we met them at home and we filmed them taking the tree inside the house. And he said he had went, he'd gone from the Christmas tree farm and he had taken the car through the car with the tree on it. And I was like, oh my God, I would have loved to film that. That would have been so funny, you know, just oh such, as well as Jeremy. And he was like, oh, you should have filmed it, Becky. It would have been really funny. Um, so yeah, so he just kind of, you know, doesn't, as I said, he doesn't live life in the kind of the, the usual way. And he, you know, he's, he's just kind of um, just as a different way of thinking about things and doing things. And <laughs> that, yeah. you know, that comes with some management. Like, so yes, Christy, there's a lot of eye rolling and she's just like, oh my God, I can't believe we did that. So there's a lot of that. And she, <laughs> parents in this too. I feel like I remember his parents. Yeah, being it's in not it. the parents. Were, and they were, weren't they a I little thought... horrified by him too? No, they, they knew he was eccentric. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. Right, Becky? Yeah, they they also told us a lot of stories about Jeremy growing up and all the grey hairs that he gave Pam and, you know, stories about the teachers calling from school because he'd been on a science trip and he'd, you know, he'd like eaten something, some crazy poisonous plant on a trip to some garden and, you know, just sort of general, I think, slightly stressful parenting <laughs> at his sort of out of the ordinary personality. But um, but he also, as I said, he, he really wants to be liked. And I think a lot of where it went yeah. wrong was the intentions being and and just it may be you know embarrassed that it had gone it had gone the wrong way and and just then going into kind of another sort of on the war path really yeah well i wondered as i watched it because i got more and more surprised at what he was okay saying on camera because when he would go out to the news crews, he would play the the victim card a little bit in a really good way where he was accruing fans and disciples to his cause. But he was so okay being clearly vindictive and and very nasty. And I was shocked by that. But I also wondered if he was heightening himself in the villain role because he, like, I mean, listen, in wrestling, we're big wrestling fans. 
And so we know in wrestling, you either need to be loved or hated. And I was like, does he kind of know that, that that's going to elicit a big response from people? So he's okay with it. And he wants that because he really wants Mm -hmm. stardom. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if it, that's that was what my feeling was after a while. Then because we would talk off camera, and I said, Jeremy, you know, I, let's talk again about that tomorrow. And I would try again to sort of just say, like, are you, you know, do you, can you understand how that person feels? And he'd be like, No, she's a fake. This is, you know, no, this is, you know, they're liars. And and I thought you, uh, you know, I really did wonder. And after a while, I got that impression that you, you know, in order to be you know, in order to be popular in some ways, you have to be divisive. You have to take a stance. You have to be the black and white. You can't do the middle ground. And I think for Jeremy, maybe, you know, at the time he was thinking about political career and that, and that serves a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know what, what he's thinking about that now. Certainly he was having lots of different thoughts about that at the time we finished filming, but it, it did strike me that there was a, a kind of a, an active stance to kind of you know, double down on his on his version and his kind of you know how passionate he is and sort of strident he is in his belief of it being right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, and he has some political role models he could be following as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think he moved to Idaho for, for that reason. And again, we had a had a version of the early cut of of kind of how they ended up choosing Idaho as a place. Um, but yeah, I don't know what he's thinking now. I think the kind of Christmas persona that has kind of t- picked up some steam. Um, you know, he's working on behalf of some other families who've got problems with HOAs. So I don't know where he'll go, oh but I'm God, sure he's going to be the HOA crusader. Listen, if you don't want an HOA, don't live in one. That's it. It's pretty simple. Why I mean, do you I don't, have to worry? I, I, I'm, I w- I'm with him as far as they would annoy me too, but I just also wouldn't buy into one. Like, it's pretty simple. Like yeah. if that's, if you want to, living in an HOA and live by those. In fact, we, we and I had this conversation a few weeks ago. She was like, you could never live in one of those. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what? You're right. And so we wouldn't buy into it. Yeah. Cause Kevin would want to put the, put the illegal structure up and they would fight him. <laughs> and that's just how it is. I'd want to put up know, the giant Christmas tree. Yourself. No, I'm with him on everything except that I would know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into that environment. You know, I think at some point he should pull the plug and go somewhere else and do it and do it in the most amazing way. But also, Kev, like, let's talk about this, everybody. You cannot expect that a residential neighborhood is going to be okay with thousands of people coming in with buses, massive buses, okay, at the holidays is okay. It's just not okay. You want to do something on that level. God bless you. I want to go. I want to buy the ticket or whatever it is. I search for things like this at the holidays, right? But not in a neighborhood where you're going to totally ruin everyone's life. Go buy a building or or rent a building for Christmas time. You spend plenty of money doing his thing. Well, wait, there's, but there's neighborhoods, Maria, that are far, you know, houses far away with, I mean, it's it's Idaho. It's nothing but land there. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me. I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. But uh, Becky, do you have people in in England that are this crazy, or do you laugh at us and say this is typical <laughs> Americans? <laughs> no, we look, we definitely do. We have our neighbourhood wars, and again, that's why it felt so universal. Right, we all live live near people. We have to live alongside mm-hmm. people. We have to get along with each other and coexist with people who might have different ideas about how they live their life with us. And how do we? how do we deal with our different freedoms and personal liberties? And, you know, I'm allowed to do this at, at what cost, you know, mm-hmm. at, should that be at any cost and where do you, who draws the line? Right. And the courts have to decide, right. More and more. Um, but no, we definitely have our, we definitely have our versions of this. I think um, we are a tiny, tiny Island with not very much space. So <laughs> neighborhood yeah. dramas are ongoing. So you guys are, can be as crazy. I, I kind of feel like definitely. with England, it's you're the more sophisticated version of us, so you get to laugh at us. When I think like, of maybe you, we like to think that it's not true. Okay, Hilarious. well that's refreshing to hear because it's just we are we can be so embarrassing. My I goodness. will say, I wonder, does he? He seems like the kind of guy who probably texts you nonstop about like a part two and his new ideas for another doc. <laughs> yes, he's definitely an ideas man, and there's a lot of enthusiasm for a series <laughs> version of this story, which I'm sure will be ongoing. You know, and like Jeremy, he does he does sort of create drama, and you know, Christy says in the film, like he'll never live a boring life, and he won't. And there will always be some story. There's always something. You know, all the time we were filming, we would have this shoot planned. You know, within an inch, every hour was planned, and we'd get there, and Jeremy would have like driven to California to buy a grand piano because it was a piano he had from his childhood, and he managed to find it on eBay, and he's driven to California from Idaho to pick it up like the day of the shoot. You know, and I'm like, oh god, like. See, these are the things I love about him. I love that about him. Like, you know, again, it's like, <laughs> Becky's I, like, I, I, I didn't, I wanted to. I die. love that. I, you imagine? I love, he needs I his love... own assistant director to keep him on track. For yeah, the I mean, he's, he's, he needed a whole, a whole team to just corral but This him. is the part of him that I, that I do love and admire. Oh, and I can God, see honey. all of it. No, really Maria, the whole, everything with the Christmas. It's funny. I'm just going to say this. If he's listening, I don't think people can sit through another um another version of that it, because it's really painful to watch yeah. and when you see Suffering. the neighbors lives when you kind of see that they are you know they're not <laughs> as eccentric as him they're not, their lives are much more uh nine to five and to see the horror on their faces you could see how their health was deteriorating like I wouldn't want to sit through that again. And they made I some think. bad moves too, but it's understandable under the circumstances. Yes. yes. They weren't they, total well, again, angels either, by the way. They like, were I'm not. not no, they were not. They were, they were not. but we all would make those same unangelic moves. I think if that kind of level of madness was taking place in our neighborhood. And it was madness. And I, and again, <laughs> these people were not prepared for that. And by the way, again, as I will say that 90% of it, I really love and admire. I think the, I'm just going to pitch this, to you and to him, the only way a sequel to me works is if he actually honors the true spirit of Christmas and there's some kind of journey to reconciliation that would work. But to, I couldn't, I but we wouldn't buy I, it from him because he, we know he's extreme. Well, you don't know that he's just going to do it with for this the camera. Guy, you don't know that this is, this guy to me is mystery meat. I, mystery I think you will. Meat. I think there's don't, don't put anything by this guy, but we had, we actually had our producers watch the show. And they were curious as to why. But I said, I, I think there's going to be more of this out there. There's going to be more more of these wars that are just heightened to people who are just, they'll die to be right. Yeah. Well, neighbor you know? wars have always been around. But I think just the level of extremism that we're seeing, this movie really captured kind of where we are at as a world right now, right? It's like, as a journalist, I was saying soon after COVID, I go, I'm a journalist and I don't know what truth is anymore. 
I don't know what truth is because if you say, you know, this medicine is a hundred percent safe, you've got the other side saying it's not safe. And here's all my proof why it's not safe. And then you've got doctors over here and doctors over here and presidents over here and presidents over there. You got no way to tell what's real anymore because everyone is so extreme about their side and you're just kind of like, well, what? What, what's the truth anymore? I'm so confused. Yeah. And also, you know, it was so interesting that we all have different versions of events and subjective realities, right? And to Jeremy, this was like a wonderful, lovely Christmas charity event. And to the neighbors, this was a complete nightmare. And it, it those both of those truths exist, right? And yep. it, to, to me, it was so interesting to kind of play on those and go between the kind of the different experiences of this and unpack it all. And it also, you know, we can we can be an honest person and an unreliable witness. You know, what you think you saw at that moment isn't what someone else saw at that moment. And so good line. Again, it's Great just line. a kind of fascinating thing to unpack and to work with again as a filmmaker of like, okay, how do we tell this story when these these stories completely compete with each other? Like, was there traffic or was there no traffic? Like, was the, you know, was it loud or was it not loud? Like, you know, it, it just it just lent itself to some really kind of universal kind of almost everyday things right but through the lens of the prism of this kind of slight quite extravagant uh tiny neighborhood sort of war that yeah. uh you know and it evolved you know your sympathies and who you sided with and who you believed and who who you kind of um felt for changed as as you know as the film went on and that reflected my experience on the ground you know I, I all the time was like mm, okay well maybe you could have gone to the Christmas show and you would have liked it and couldn't you know would it was it that bad or you know and Jeremy with the buses which was such a nightmare for everyone I think he felt he was being useful getting buses I think he thought that was a problem solving thing and that that would have really you don't think worse. that he knew exactly what that was going to do to those neighbors no, I think he was no, so spiteful I think, I think he thought, I genuinely think he thought it was it was a really good like how am I going to get everyone here how will I avoid loads of cars Loads you know, of cars, loads of parking. Yeah, I can see that being genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Really? But to the neighbors, I was like, well, that's that's really noisy. And like buses are even bigger and smelly and noisy. And I, I don't know. So you can see how it was just two people with completely different ways of interpreting the world or two sides, I guess, you know, just yeah. uh, speaking different languages to each other. <laughs> Girls, did you think the buses were spiteful or do you think the buses were him thinking that he was going to help people? I thought spiteful. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's bringing his in to piss everyone off. Who who brings a bus in? Bring more people, yeah. get buses. Let's build a train yeah. track yeah. so yeah. we can train people in from all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of agree. But that's an interesting take on it. Um, well, you're there with him, so you know better. Would you do another film with him? Uh, good question. Um, possibly not. Um, no, I, it depends on the She's subject. She's like, I'm like, properly afraid of him now. He's a, <laughs> no, he's, he is, he's definitely a handful. But I think, you know, you develop a working relationship with people as well. And like I said, you know, there's so much time off camera that you spend with people and, and things that aren't connected to the, you know, sometimes I would try, you know, we would be there and I was like, let's just not talk about the filming or the Christmas show or, you know, we'd, and, and, and then we'd have really interesting, normal conversations about, you know, lo- loads of things. I mean, Jeremy's really smart. He's very well educated. He's got lots of views on the world and, and it was kind of interesting and, um, you know, meaningful in lots of ways to kind of understand Jeremy's worldview um, not that I necessarily agree with lots of it, but it was, I, I think it's healthy to have those conversations. And we do that fewer, you know, less and less. Do we even engage with people who have different political views to ourselves? And so, you know, as a kind of um, like selfishly that for me, that it, it, it enabled me to spend time with somebody who I wouldn't normally spend time with. And so, you know, as to another film, I don't know. I need I need a couple of producers who have got lots of energy to kind of, <laughs> to sort of keep up with him. But, you know, um, I, I can imagine there being another um, uh, something else that he'll do that will be film worthy. Put it that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, you did say at one point, um, you know, I don't want to. I think it was something like I don't, at the beginning of this, I don't want to piss him off, or I don't want to. I'm, I'm I'm afraid of him too, or something. Where I can see that you are. I I don't think there isn't anybody. Kevin, before we start the interview, goes, be careful. He's very vindictive. And I'm like, what am I going to say that hasn't been already said about the man? So, yeah. But by the way, yeah. I'll also say 
it, it, it for all the things going to get his childhood piano. I'm the guy's biggest fan. Oh my I just, I just want to move this thing off campus, make it as big and amazing and just blow the whole country away with it. But you know, not in an HOA where you, you, you came in there, you know, there's rules that's, and I'm a live and let live guy, even to that degree where it's like, if, it, if you want an HOA, then okay, live and let live. But if, if you don't want that, then I think you as a neighbor and you want to live somewhere else, you should have freedom. But anyway, so Becky, I don't know, becoming a bigger fan 10. of him. The more I talk to you, Becky. Becky, on a scale of one to 10, how scared of you are? How scared of him are you? Um, no, I'm not scared of him. I, I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't want to be, I don't want to get into, you know, any sort of litigation with him just because of the stress of it. And I think part of the kind of thing that was so interesting about the film is that like, what did this get anyone? You know, where does it get anybody Jeremy or his name yeah. is, you know, and we have responsibility yeah. towards each other. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not scared of him at all. He's just. I think we've developed a way of like handling each other where I've I've kind of uh, I'm able to be firm and be like, Jeremy, you need to stop now. You know, we've got to we've got to go. Or you know, over kind of two and a half years of, of speaking to Jeremy a lot, we we kind of managed to find a way to kind of <laughs> to work together. Yeah. But um, did you know, you know what you were I mean, getting? I haven't into- been on the other side, so. Did you know what you were getting into with him right from go? Or no, did you not discover at all. Absolutely not at all. But my first phone call with him was about three hours long and I probably said about five things. So <laughs> I think it was, <laughs> he's, awesome. he's definitely got the en- energy of, you know, yes, a Duracell bunny. Wow. So you are obviously extremely talented and, um, and have, you know, been nominated for BAFTA and Emmy PGA award. What is next for you? Are you coming to LA ever? Uh, yes, I'm sure I will be back. We're in and out, actually. But um, I'm just about to start a new film with CNN, uh, which is about sort of uh, loosely kind of about wellness fraud in that kind of space, oh. which is a very different type of film. It's not. There's no com- comedy to it. It's super serious. Um, there's a, an ongoing trial at the moment connected to the story. And some quite high stakes in regards to, um, you know, people's personal stories. So it's a kind of medical ethics, wellness, fraud, human interest doc. Wow. Which will be ready in about sort of about a year, I would think. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. So It's a lot of work and you live for the research end of it, which I think is so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? You get to sort of, you find a story that you think will resonate with people or is important to tell or has some value in some way. And you get to go and kind of explore it. I mean, it's a huge privilege and you get to meet all kinds of people that you would never meet and, mm-hmm. you know, politicians and celebs, but just everyday people that live live lives that are, and that are just the same as mine and have had something really extraordinary happen to them and lived to tell that tale and trust you enough to sit down and tell you it. So mm-hmm. that's quite an incredible thing to be able to do as a, as a career. So I feel very lucky all the time and it's endlessly fascinating and different. You know, this, it never ceases to amaze me, like what happens to people in the real world. And people always say to me, would you go and make dramas? Do you want to do narrative movies? But at the moment for me, I really feel like if somebody has got an extraordinary story, then they want to, and, they, and you can get them to sit down and tell you it, then why would you want to make up a script when they can tell you that? I don't know, you know, that to yeah. me is it's something, kind of a remarkable thing to be able to do so yeah and like I said crazy things happen to people all the time it's like you can't make it up some of it you know, know. and is this a I subject you're passionate way. about or did they contact you Becky 
uh, this new film. Yes. Um, no, it was a story that my company, I'm working at a company called Dorothy Street Pictures, that they had in development. So one of my colleagues who work in the development team there had, had come across it. And I'm definitely interested in the sort of wellness space and the kind of uh, the sort of pseudoscience and the kind of, um, I think you talked a little bit about it earlier, like what's truth and um, people kind of seeking their own medical truth whether that's you know and and what's real and so that to me again sort of sits under a very current uh you know is what's going on at the moment in the world but um the stories of the people that we're going to tell in this film are um you know incredibly um sort of disturbing and sad and important and there's a sort of current present day sort of urgency to telling this so I'm super passionate about it but and I'm really interested in the way it intersects with what's going on today in society and how we're all kind of vulnerable to and part of enabling the kind of you know wellness sort of movement and what it really means you know all of that so it's funny how the universe works Becky because this show is not a Christmas show nor is a filmmaking (laughs) show nor is it this is our better together if I were to say it's one thing mainly it's a wellness show so that's why this is so kismet and Maria is always talking about this subject that you're scraping on but with Maria's brain tumor her mother's brain tumor us doing Eastern and Western practices Mm -hmm. and Maria having experts and healers and wellness people on the show every week. I know Maria that you, this is probably a subject I know that, uh, well, I know is very near and dear to your heart as well. Yeah. I, that's why I try so hard to curate carefully Mm-hmm. as well yeah. but if well, we it can, can be, be hijacked right so there's such a there's a legitimate space for, for it and then how, how at the moment you know there's a sort of there's a way that illegitimate people can operate in it and what mm-hmm. you know the danger and the damage that that can cause so um no it's super interesting and super current and I think we're all very susceptible to it and you know if you're 15 on Instagram or you know 20 on Instagram and looking at some alternative therapy, like how do you know what's real and what isn't? It's, it's, yeah, it's super fascinating. So yeah, yeah I'm excited for the new, the new venture, but I've had a good break, which I needed. <laughs> right. so, yeah, yeah. I well, can see yeah, that. If we can be helpful in any way, let me know. Um, oh, I'd love to. Thank you. And, uh, and I agree with the, the excitement that comes with telling those stories. It's so funny having been um, a journalist in kind of every area at this point, um, telling those human interest stories, whether it was through nightly news or the today show were always my favorite because you did, I traveled all over the world and I got to interview different people from different walks of life and had different stories. And that was my happiest kind of times and my most fun times because, um, you know, interviewing celebrities is great too and all of that, but there's something about getting to hear, um, from everyday people all over the world, um, having to go through whatever they're going through. And that's really fascinating and, and, uh, and fulfilling. Yeah. And, and it keeps your feet on the ground too, right? I mean, yes. it gives you, gives you a perspective to kind of remember, like, and keep yourself in check. And I don't know, it's just, yeah, it keeps your eyes open to the different paths that we all tread. And that I think is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really important. So you're doing important work. We're here to be your cheerleaders, your supporters, and anything else you need. Um, Becky, like I, I have said, another I, question I think will be related to Maria's audience. Is you know you're dealing with this person that you know he it, there's definitely a toxic side to him, but even still, even not, he's just a lot. He's a lot in that the subject. Now you're moving on to something else, which is going to be very heavy as well. So how do you manage that in your personal life where you, as a filmmaker, you're sensitive, but most people I think today are more sensitive and empathetic than we think you're picking up all that. You're absorbing all of that energy, that intensity, right? Like how do you manage that? And does Wine. it affect you? Wine. I love it. I was like, is she saying crying or wine? I think she said wine. <laughs> we go to the pub. We go to the pub here. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, it is hard. You know, you do have to have really solid boundaries. And that's something I've learned over a long period of time in this role. And I haven't always been able to do that. You do, you know, I, I've definitely had a point where I sort of hit a wall career wise. And 
other things going on in her life as well. And then you realize that you've just absorbed and sponged other people's grief or, you know, stories that are often very difficult in documentaries. You know, it's very, it's actually quite rare. And in, in, for me, the stories you come across, it's to find one that's positive and uplifting, it's hard. And, you know, so you do deal with a lot of that. But I think now I try and be strict about how much I'm available to people at my, on my weekends and, you know, for my my family and my partner and um, and just try and sort of, um, you know, you have a duty of care to the people you're filming with, but you have a duty of care to yourself. And it's very hard to get that balance right. So it's a learning process. It's a learning curve. I'm still doing it failing sometimes you know feeling guilty all the time that I'm not available enough to speak to people or you know but I think getting better at being like this is my weekend or this is my you know give or take the odd late night call which happens you know is all the time in this industry as I'm sure you know you will have the same but um making sure that holidays is you know I'm not contactable on the phone for a period of time unless it's you know it just I think you just have to try and manage but it is a it is a, a a job where you are you know, people are letting you into their lives and telling you things that are incredibly intimate and difficult and sometimes the worst experience they've had in their life. And so you do, I think, need to be there for them, um, you know, to, to a certain extent. And that is just part and parcel of it. But mm-hmm. um, I think at the moment for me, what was so great about the Christmas film is that so much of it was um, it was refreshing. It was different, you know. And so I think having an eye now on the types of stories you do and okay these ones were two were super heavy and actually next time I'm going to try something that's lighter or you know you spend six months in development looking for stories and doing research and being less kind of deeply involved in something and so that helps I think keep a bit of you for you you know and keep Mm -hmm. a bit of your your well-being and yourself protected um but yeah it's really hard and you know I've I've not I don't know the right answer to that yet I think it yeah. always, you know, be ongoing. That's like Joe Berlinger, honey, there. when we were talking to him about our doc and he was like, oh my God, I need this. He's like, I need something light. I've been doing serial killer docs forever. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's doing I think doing everyone can relate thing. to that because I think people in their day jobs, it's, it, yeah, this is a documentary, but people in their day jobs are in proximity to either really heavy situations or heavy people. And I think it's an important question. And then as far as, you said something about a career lull. How did I think a lot of people with the pandemic are feeling that as well? You said you hit a, um, a wall, a, a wall, right? So do you have any advice on getting through that wall? Um, well, I mean, I was very lucky in that at the time I had, I'd saved a bit of money to, to buy my first house. So I had a pot of savings that I ideally didn't want to use, you know, for anything other than buying my, my house. But um, I took some time off. I, t- I you know, I, I dipped into that t- to survive for a bit. I took very low stress, low pressure jobs for like two weeks at a time. Because as a freelancer, you could do, you know, a couple of weeks research on a story for somebody and then but not be so involved in the really stressful, difficult stuff. Um, and then I, I tried to do, you know, I did. I I got a great book called The Artist's Way, which I read and I did my morning pages, which cleared my head every morning. And then I tried to do one thing a day that was good for me, that that was, you know, whether it was just a walk along the river. And obviously I wasn't working, so I was trying to be mindful of my my cash flow. But and I would go and see a free exhibition of photography, which I love, or I would just like go and sit in the park and read a book. So I just tried to rebuild myself a bit you know by doing one thing a day and so there's lots of small practices you can do that I felt was really helpful that might not be the kind of thing you know if you can't afford to have a therapist once a week or twice a week because it's so expensive here I'm sure it is for you guys too but Mm -hmm. um you know and I just tried to be kind to myself about things and eat healthily and exercise and do all those really small things and just um allow myself a bit of time off just to kind of it it was okay to stop but you know it it took a toll on it was difficult financially to do that you can't do that forever but I think you know there's a lot of information out there about how to kind of just take time for you you know and people Mm -hmm. always recommend meditation and stuff that's not necessarily for me I tried (laughs) you know but I would go for long runs instead but um it was just uh, you just have to do it I think it it was there was sort of no other way and I think you just have to learn how to sit with your feelings and feel them and it's pretty hard but you get better at doing it I mean what I heard was pretty universal get it seems like you got out to nature you took a break the book the artist way is a fantastic book and I morning pages 
Yes. What are morning pages? That journal? Is that what you mean by that? Uh, yeah, it's, it, I think it was for people with writer's block or people, artists who were finding it hard to create. And um, you just wake up every morning and you had to write like, I think it was, I can't remember off the top of my head because it was a few years ago, but like five or eight pages or, you know, three pages of A4, whatever your notebook size is of whatever is in your brain. And that could be the same line over and over again. It could be the dream you had. It could be the jobs you've got to do. It could be the argument you have with a friend 10 years ago. It just whatever noise is in your brain, as soon as you wake up, you just dump it down onto your five pages and then you close that and you never look at it ever again. So it's not a diary. It's just a brain dump of whatever noise is in your brain. And it's supposed to kind of over time, like unlock the sort of blockages that you get so that your creativity can kind of flow again. And I really found that worked. And it wasn't like I was suddenly like, oh, my God, I've got the best idea to make a film now. I just I just got better at, at kind of, um, you know, from whatever the sort of wall hitting crisis was that I, I'd got to. And it, I've never read them ever again. You know, I've still got my the, the book that I did use. Um, and sometimes it was just nonsense, or, you know, but it just it just was a practice that you would get up, have your little routine. I'd have my coffee. I do my morning pages and then I get up and go about whatever I was doing that day, which sometimes wasn't very much, you know, but, but it was just that little routine and it was brilliant. So I, I love that you I love that you because I would feel the same way. I am the same way. I'm such a like I'm really good at saving and I'm like, I am never touching this money. Whatever it is, right? But I love that you realized you had to dip into it for your sanity because mm-hmm. a lot of us, especially as women, were were so scared for our financial security and we'll allow ourselves to go down with that money in the bank because we need that to be there for our like emotional and mental kind of security too. But in essence, like what you did is you, um, you made more money by doing that because you gave yourself the break that you needed to take care of yourself so that you could go make money later. Cause if you kept burning yourself out, you know, by trying to like, you know, just white knuckle and hold on to everything. Um, it's not really the healthiest decision in the end. No, but you know, it's not everyone's in that position. And I did feel very lucky, but you know, I also made my life very small and I relied on friends and family a lot to, you know, and I've got lovely friends who would be like, well, and I've got membership to this place and I get a spare ticket. So you come to that or don't worry, I'll buy you a drink tonight or whatever, you know, but I just did, I did less. I, I physically and mentally couldn't do lots anyway. I was really, really burnt out. That's the right word. And I just, got used to doing this. And I think if you're a filmmaker, a journalist, or, you know, a a, a busy mom, like whatever, you're always doing stuff. There's always stuff to do. And this job itself creates, um, you know, you go off and involve yourself into other people's problems Mm -hmm. and it gives you a very great way of ignoring your own, right? So your life, personal life can be complete chaos. Yeah. You know, you're busy making great films about other stuff, other people's chaos or whatever other stories. And so you don't, have to look at your own and so it it really um you know yeah it it definitely was a a really interesting period that wasn't necessarily good at the time but became a really valuable you know just to take a time out but you're right you just keep going and you keep going and it's you actually realize you're just sort of slowly drowning Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah it was tough but also kind of illuminating and um you know, and then got this, this, um, took a job with Julia, who I worked with at Dorothy Street, where we've made this film for Apple. And it's been a really lovely experience there, kind of nurturing and, um, you know, super exciting. So. Cool. Well, that's really good advice for our heel squad and for all of us. And I just wrote these down in the notes for mariamanunas.com. Thank you, Bill. Very helpful. No, these are very helpful things yeah. for breaking through, no matter yeah. if you're a filmmaker or not. I just think a lot of people feel that way. Oh my God. I do. I think and there's a couple things I wrote down that I want to apply. That way, right? Yeah. Doctors and nurses on call all the time and living through these last two years and having to watch people suffer in ways that we haven't really seen before where they can't be with their family members or you know, all of that. So it's, it's across so many different areas. And, yeah, it's and parents, it's, it's parents and dealing with the children all yeah. through this. Yeah. So you know, yeah, it's very lot. relatable. Um, Becky, we're your new best friends. You just don't know it. If you need anything, let us know. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Thank you for well, having me on. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for making the movie. Twas the fight before Christmas, everybody.
Yeah, we told everybody about it already, but we'll always we'll always be talking about it. It was that good. It's on Apple TV, everybody. For um, those of you who don't know, um, we'll put the info in the um, summary of this episode. Guys, I love her. I love how she tries to stay very balanced. Yeah, she's very neutral. Um, she's Trevor Moed. She totally she, exactly. stays neutral. Yeah, yeah, but she is honest. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, you know she doesn't hide from the truth either. She's like, Oh yeah. His wife was rolling her eyes many mm-hmm. times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, he's scary. Um, <laughs> I forgot the camel. I know. I so forgot to I. ask her about the camel, but, um, I guess I can only blame myself. Just an, just another wild thing. I was dying at the, that he would drive, you know, to go get his like childhood piano. I'm like, that does not surprise me. Or the fact One that bit. he took the car through the car wash uh, with the with Christmas the tree. tree. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. He's just on another level. Oh, listen, I'm just going to tell you guys, I heard more and more. I'm really moving over to team Jeremy. I can really work with this guy. Honey, Hilarious. No. Anyhow, um, Heel Squad, I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you um, haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. And our new website is out, mariamenunos.com. We're putting blogs from the show up there. And then any new amazing finds in the lifestyle world that I find, whether it's uh, a makeup remover pad that you need, which is on there, by the way, my way I... But going back, man, going back to those blogs, they're they're more than blogs. They're such great, helpful information. So mm-hmm. I, I know Pooja has uh, organized them all, and then I was going through them, and just by going through them, I so many great lessons, Kelsey, that you know we got on our shows to see them in a list form, mm-hmm. in a cliff note kind of form. So helpful. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I, I'm like I'm so glad that I I got I had to be the one to do the final pass on all of them. Because it just, I don't know, it retaught me all the lessons that I had forgotten. Well, yeah. we always talk about too, Kev, like I felt the same way reading over them. We get so many tools and we just go onto the next, onto the next, onto the next that Kev and I would always joke, we put them in our Home Depot and they collect dust. Dead. Because yeah. all our tools. Was, all yeah. our tools. So it is, it's such a nice little, like as Maria says, zhuzh, mm-hmm. you get a pop on there, you get the lesson, you're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. And print the one that you want mm, or the right. two, highlight it, put it on your fridge and on your mirror where you're getting ready in the morning so you can be re-reminded of the ones that you really want to hold on to and then replace them with the next ones get those strong in your in your you know system and then go to the next ones that's what i'm going to be doing i know because i forget some stuff too um so anyhow mariamenunos.com and uh, we'll also put a link to um leave a comment on apple podcasts in here so it's super easy for you guys we'd love to hear from you and of course it helps us so much to um to get really good reviews for the show so i will leave it at that in the meantime be nice people make good choices and be present Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.